Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for this week's bonus episode, where we gave you an update on Pablo Velez's case. I was joined in the episode by Lisa Bratton-Martinez, and we broke down the state's response to Pablo's most recent appeal. Uh, that generated a lot of questions from you guys. And, of course, as always, this has been this entire bonus in between seasons feels like it's been the West Memphis 3 season because we have more West Memphis 3 news which we're going to get to right after a break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. First things first, Bob, we've got a tweet here from Damian Eccles. The prosecutor in our case, Keith Cressman, has now filed a motion asking the judge to refuse or request to test evidence in order to reveal the actual murderer. Arkansas continues to follow the path of corruption they set out on from the very beginning of this case. That was from the 8th that was posted yesterday. Yeah, so yesterday for us, uh, which was Tuesday of this week, uh, Cressman filed his response, and it's it's pretty pretty discouraging. I, I I read through it. I'll probably do a more detailed breakdown later. He did make the time barred argument that we expect, which I think could be easily defeated. Uh, but he went kind of a different route with it. It's actually really, I mean, the, it reads very condescending, very plain language the way it was written, and essentially. His first several points are that Damien has no right to do DNA testing. He has no right to habeas corpus because he's not in prison anymore. And I and I don't know legally what the argument is against for or against that. I know that people who have already been released from prison, do DNA testing, and get exonerated after they've already been released. It happens often. We're working on doing that with Ed Eight's case. But the way he made it sound was that he wrote in there that the result of the DNA testing, were it to be favorable to Damien, would be that he would be ordered either a new trial or that he would be ordered um, – uh, resentencing. And they said, since he's already completed his sentence, because with the Alfred plea that, you know, he pled guilty and they sentenced him to time served. So he's already completed his sentence. 
that it would be silly. I think he even put the word silly to ask to test this evidence. From an unbiased point of view, does that seem like a legitimate argument? It would seem like a legitimate argument if that's what Damien was looking for, but that's not what he's looking for. What he's looking for is to prove his actual innocence, Mm -hmm. which is another, like he has been, you know, he hasn't even been exonerated. He was just, all he got was a resentencing. The Alfred plea was just a resentencing for a shorter sentence and he's still guilty. What he's trying to prove is that he's actually innocent to be fully exonerated. It's wiped from his record and hopefully the real killer put behind bars. So that that's the the beginning of the argument is that as he put it, it it's ridiculous, it's silly for them to even ask for this testing. Which I mean, what you have to look at is the fact that a year ago, Cressman said he had no problem doing the testing, and then he said the he straight up lied and said the evidence was gone. And now that we found out the evidence isn't gone, now he's acting like it was a silly request to begin with. Uh, I wish I could tell you legally. I'm sure I'll talk to some of Damien's attorneys here in the coming week or so and maybe get some more information. Uh, but I wish I could tell you whether that's an argument that can be easily defeated or not. I certainly hope so. And then moving forward, he says that uh, a case review shows only two cases where MVAC was mentioned. And he doesn't know if MVAC is even an acceptable science and says the court can't rule on whether or not um, the MVAC being new technology could allow for the testing unless they know if it's an acceptable science. Now, that I think could be easily proven because MVAC technology has been through the Fry test in multiple occasions. So even if it wasn't necessarily used at trial, the Fry test, as I talked about with uh, Jared Bradley when he was on the show, the Fry test is exactly that it, it's it's to look for the judge to look and see if the MVEC technology is an accepted science. So that part shouldn't be too hard to overcome. So is it only two cases, period, or is it just two cases in Arkansas that it's been used? I don't know. He just says it literally says a simple case law search only finds two MVEC times two when MVEC was mentioned in a case. Interesting. Um, so I don't know how accurate that is. I know it's been used in more than two cases. So, and I know that it's been through fry tests. Uh, and there's another test too, another standard that it's been through that Jared mentioned. I can't, the name's escaping me, uh, right now. Um, and then the other one was that they think that the evidence, so it, it says that testing the evidence could destroy, completely consume and destroy any evidence that was there. Then he cites evidence preservation laws that say that you have to, you're required to maintain, which is pretty thick. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. (laughs) Right. Why why would he worry about the evidence being destroyed if he doesn't want them to test it at all? Right. Yeah. So he's first he says there shouldn't be allowed to test it, period. Secondly, he says that they shouldn't be able to test it because testing it could destroy the evidence and not leave any to be tested later which is illegal because they're required to maintain the evidence. But the reason they're supposed to maintain the evidence is so that you can test it. That's so ass nine. Yeah. It's a completely bass backwards argument. He's arguing against his own points. Uh, Maybe he's hedging by doing that, but he also doesn't understand the technology because so it's actually the, the way another thing that he points out is there's two other defendants who aren't a part of the motion and so, you know, they have a right for that evidence to be maintained. And if it's going to be completely consumed and destroyed by using the MBAC, then they w- then they wouldn't have an opportunity to test it later. But again, he's also arguing they should never have an opportunity to test it. 
but the way MVAC works is it was it was broken down for me on the on the show when I was at Pure Gold's lab. Is so instead of evidence would be destroyed with a standard method, right? Or would be because or would be consumed because they would take a swab and swab all over the item to pull up any available DNA. And then they would take that swab and run it through whatever machines they run it through to extract the DNA from it and analyze it. And then whatever DNA was there is gone. The way MVAC works is it's, it, it sucks the evidence using the vacuum out of the item. So it would remove it from the item itself, but then it collects it in a disc that's the size of, of about a half dollar. So instead of a swab, it goes onto this, this big disc that's a filter that catches it. And then when they run it through to test it, they cut the, they cut the disc into like fractions. And I think she said they cut it into like six wedges and they'll test one wedge and then maintain it. It's actually a very good way of maintaining the evidence because then they'll, they'll, they'll preserve the rest of the filter that catches all the DNA in case there's better technology to do that part of it later on. So it won't destroy it. It will still preserve it, but it's just a weird argument. And then, and then lastly, then he says, you know, he gets into the time barred issue and, and he, he cites the 36 month presumed, uh, timeliness, as I mentioned, uh, several weeks ago. And he says they're outside of that, which again, I think that is easily defeated by the fact that they claim the evidence didn't exist. You can't claim they should have tested it earlier when you were telling them that there was no evidence to test. Uh, he just completely ignores the fact that he lied about that. But then he he says that the only way that he would be allowed to test it in a timely manner would be if it was to prove his actual innocence. So which so he he's he sort of gives the way I read it as a non-lawyer, he gives the argument against his argument in that in that point. Yeah, he really seems like he's talking in circles the whole time. Yeah, so he, he starts off by saying they have no right to test it. That's ridiculous. He can't. He doesn't want to get a new trial or a new sentence when he's already served his sentence, so he shouldn't be able to test it. And then later in the document, he says they are only allowed to test it if they're trying to prove their actual innocence, which is exactly what he's doing. And then he makes an argument that, that that this testing would not prove his actual innocence. Well, it, I mean, isn't the whole point of, you know, the, the one argument about preserving the evidence is in case any new form of testing comes along that they can test it, mm-hmm. which MVAC is a new form of testing. Right. So why I, I'm so confused about his whole argument. Yeah, it's very confusing. Like when I first started reading, I was like, oh, my God, that makes sense because he's, you know, he's saying you can't do because like habeas corpus. Trans is Latin. It translates to show me the body or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there is no body in prison. So why are we even talking about this basically? And I was like, oh shit, that's a good point. But then I thought, well, I bet the lawyers thought of that before they made the motion uh, to, to argue it. But then, yeah, but then he comes back around and says, well, yeah, actually they can test it if they're trying to prove actual innocence, but we don't think this would prove their actual innocence. When the fact is, if they find someone else's DNA in those knots, mm-hmm. Then it will, you know, if if they don't, if they don't find anything, or they don't find Damian, Jason, or Jesse's DNA in those knots, that's not going to exonerate them. As we've said before, uh, absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence in the, in our court system. But the, what they're hoping to do is to find the actual killer's DNA, which would exonerate them. So it seemed to me like they've got a pretty good path forward 
Um, they can they can show through the 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 fry tests and the other other case documents that it is an acceptable science. Uh, they may even have to do a fry test in Arkansas. There's different. Some states are fry states. Some states I can't remember the other standard, but they, but that they would have to go through and prove that it is actually an acceptable science, and that it is. I think that if they can do that and prove that it is capable of proving their actual innocence, and is also capable of preserving the evidence for later testing, I think if they can, then I think they've got a good shot of getting the testing if the judge. You know, is being objective and and you know wants to find some resolution to the case. I certainly hope that the judge would take into account the the deception on the part of the defense. I mean, for them to come out and straight up lie about the evidence being gone, and now that it's there, now they have arguments against it. It's a very clear pattern that they're trying to hide from. I mean, that's the problem, though. Is is we really hope that they can be objective and see this, but they've proven in years past that they can't. That they just won't do it. Well, the, the the prosecutor, but the judges, on the other hand, I can't. I wish I could remember the name of the judges, but you know, there were. It was you know there there was a big fight about testing DNA back in the early two thousands, and it was a judge that ordered that the evidence could be tested. It was an it was a judge that accepted the Alfred plea, um, and if you remember, if you ever seen those video clips of when the Alfred plea was was put out uh, or was put on the record, that judge. You know, was you know went out of his way to talk about what an injustice this was, and he was you know he said a lot of things he didn't need to say. So my hope is that there are some good judges in Arkansas that are going to be objective, even though it's very clear the prosecution is not. Oh, and there was another argument too, was that they filed the order for in uh, or the motion in for Crittenden County. And then they said something about the the trial actually occurred in Craighead County. Craig, I think that was the name of it. But he says, you know, this error is fatal, is the way it was written in the. So I don't, I don't know exactly how that shakes out if they filed it in the wrong court. I would assume if that's the case, they could just refile it in the proper court if it was in the wrong court. Seems I don't like know. it. But I, I think there's some confusion. So there must have been a change of venue from. Crittenden County's prosecutor's office who prosecuted it, but that they prosecuted it in the Craighead County, like there was a change of venue or something. I don't remember how all that shook out, but so that's where things stand with the West Memphis three case. Um, the next step I believe is for the, um, for Damien's team then to file a rebuttal, uh, rebutting the, the state's letter that their response that they put in. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Okay, moving on. Carrie says, how likely is it that Pablo Velez will be paroled next year? It seems like this is going to be his best hope of getting out since the state is so ridiculous with their time limit rules. I don't know. I, I don't think those time those time limit rules are going to stand up. I don't, I don't think the time barred issues that they're raising. It, it, to me, and again, I'm not a lawyer, but it seemed very desperate to me the, what the state, uh, the way the state approached it. The, the, and the fact that the, the most encouraging part about it is that the state seemed to put their all their eggs in one basket by arguing only that they're not allowed to argue the issues, but have not at all claimed that the corruption and the Brady violations and all of that actually occurred. So it, it seems like if the judge rules that the, the that is not time barred and they are allowed to argue it. Well, the state has not made any contention whatsoever that, you know, other than saying that they don't think some of the items were material, meaning it didn't affect the outcome of the trial, which is complete nonsense. You know, if the if the jury knew that Claudia Beltran not only didn't perfectly cleanly and 100 percent ID Pablo, but instead said it looked like him, but the hair was different. But if they also knew if Claudia had testified, if they if they knew that. Claudia had told the prosecutor that I saw the actual killer in the courtroom and it was definitely not Pablo Velez to think that wouldn't have affected the jury is ridiculous. Um, as far as parole goes, it's tough. I mean, we've seen it happen, obviously, with Ed Eight. You know, he was he was, as far as I know, still the only person in Texas that you know, with a with a murder conviction that was paroled while maintaining his innocence. But that took a lot of work. Um, I think Pablo probably would have a chance if he's able to get a good parole attorney to represent him and were able to present uh, a case of innocence to the parole board that he's probably got a chance to be paroled. But I'm, I'm, I'm still holding out. I'm hoping that, the, that his current appeal makes it through. Abby says, does getting parole require him to admit guilt or remorse? I remember this being a huge blocker for Ed Eights, and he was the first to get paroled while maintaining his innocence in Texas. Yeah, like I said, it, it's it typically yeah they want to see what they're what they're looking for is have you been reformed? Are you showing remorse? Is there a concern about you reoffending after you get back out? There's more factors. Do you have a support network when you get out? There, there's a lot that goes into that. It, it, it's hard to say. I mean. Whether whether Ed's case was a lightning strike and it's never going to happen again, or if it was a start of a new trend where the parole board is now actually considering that someone may not may not show remorse for doing something because some people truly are innocent. So, well, it's only time will tell. Brian says, "What can we do as individuals to help free Pablo?" Is there any way we can help him get paroled since it seems the powers that be don't want to see a free man get justice? As individuals, I don't I don't know right now um, what we can do other than if you go to Pablo's website and, and click the links to the to the GoFundMe site. If we're if we're able to help raise enough money to get him a good parole attorney, I think that's that that's that's a good bet. You know, as far as the actual appeal, that's gonna be you know, at this point it's in the hands of the lawyers. Uh, but, but as a backup, if we're able to raise enough money to where they can, uh, they can get themselves a, a good attorney to help with the parole process that could help as well. 
Kathy says, what can we do to change the stupid time bar rule? Why is it even a thing? If there's ever evidence that proves justice wasn't served, shouldn't it be the responsibility of the courts to consider it? I have a lot of questions about the time bar thing, and I, I think I know some of the answers, but it's, it's a little confusing to me, too. Is it more of a legal tactic, or is there a legitimate reason for the time bar? There is a legitimate reason, and the problem we have is that we only work on wrongful conviction cases. Okay. And in most cases, like Pablo's, there's a very, it seems extremely obvious and clear that this person's innocent. So for us, it's like, this is, this is insane. Mm-hmm. Why, when we find out that there is, there was all this corruption and withholding of evidence and Brady violations, how can you pile in with a non's case with the cell phone evidence? You know, the, uh, how can our system be so skewed that it doesn't allow them to raise those arguments? It just seems like so often we see it. I, I do believe there's a legitimate reason for it, but it seems like so often that we see it, it's just some tactic that they're using. It doesn't seem like it's very legitimate reasoning behind it. It's certainly an excuse they're using. And, and, and I think that you see it in cases like Pablo's where the truth is very clear. They don't, the state doesn't have another argument. It's pretty well documented mm-hmm. that they withheld all this evidence. They have no argument. So it's kind of like their only shot is to, which, which, you know, takes us back to the, the morals and ethics of a prosecutor like okay yes this might be your only shot to win mm-hmm. but is this something but is it a win is it a win for justice if you stop an innocent man from getting out of prison but but you know coming out as far as the reason for it the reason for it is we only have so many judges so many courtrooms so many lawyers so many so much time and resources to put into these appeals so our system is set up to really protect what they call the finality of justice. It's set up so that if you're convicted, that that conviction is final, unless there's a really good reason to to bring it back, the conviction back up and, and to question it. So the time-barred issues are put in where there's, they're saying, look, if, if you have new evidence, you need to bring it out. You can't keep coming back to the well over and over and over and over and over again because there's just as many guilty people appealing their cases as there are innocent people all the time. So it's, 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 there is a reason for it. But in our case, in a case like this, it's terrible. Like Adnan's case is the perfect example. You know, there's, there's legitimate reason that even the judge ruled was enough to overturn his conviction. And then another judge says, yeah, but yes, that overturns the conviction. And we, and they even said in their, in their opinion that they believe that it would have changed the outcome of the trial had the jury known this. It was clearly ineffective assistance of counsel, and he deserves a new trial, but he waited too long to make the argument, so he has to stay in prison. And it's it's awful. As far as changing, I don't know. It's, it's so hard. The issue is it's so difficult to legislate for everything. You know, a good example of that is, is people that will argue about the death penalty. They'll be like, oh, you know, I can show you actual real-life examples where – Innocent people were put to death. It was proven later they were innocent. So people will say, well, yeah, that is terrible. So, but, you know, I still think the death penalty is a good thing. Maybe we can put in a rule that it's, you can only get the death penalty if you're sure they're, you know, there's no way to make a standard that can apply to all circumstances with legal language. So that's why, like, in my position on the death penalty, first of all, I don't think it accomplishes anything. I don't think it's definitely not cheaper. It definitely, Ends up taking more time when you because they get more appeals if if they have a death sentence. And I don't think killing the person is any worse punishment than leaving them in prison for the rest of their life. But I, but beside that, 
my, you know, to me, my position on the death penalty is very easy because it, it's very simple. If there's any possibility, if there's any chance that you're going to murder someone, that you can that, that you can you can hand that dish out a penalty that can't be taken back, and there's a possibility that that could happen to one single innocent person, then it shouldn't be an option. We shouldn't. If we have a fallible system that can get it wrong and oftentimes does get it wrong, then we should not have a penalty even on the table that you can't undo. Uh, you know, and, and it's bad enough when somebody loses 10, 15, 20, 25 years of their life before they get out and get proven innocent, but at least they still are, they're still alive and have a fighting chance. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Lori says if I were a juror and I got to hear what really happened, I'd be beyond pissed and feel duped by the prosecution. Have you ever had any jurors reach out to you after they've heard additional facts and an objective presentation on any of the cases that you've covered? Yeah, I, I, well, no, I'm trying to think, I think I have, I think some, I had a juror at one point that didn't want to be interviewed or be on the record at all from the West Memphis three case actually that reached out and was just shocked to hear the evidence and, and how things really shook out. But I have spoken to jurors that I reached out to and Ed eight's case, I was able to talk to several jurors. And in that case, most of them were just appalled. I still remember the one, the one woman just bawled her eyes out on the podcast when I told her about the, the actual facts of the case and, and what they missed. She was devastated that she had sent him away. And, and she had said what really upset her was that the judge had, had dynamited the jury, meaning he, he forced them when they, you know, they said they were deadlocked three times. And the judge forced them to continue deliberating, and she was one of the holdouts. She was one of the final two that that refused to vote guilty. And I remember still, I asked her, I'm like, well, Thursday night at 6 o'clock, you said not guilty. And the foreman told the judge you were deadlocked. And then Friday morning at 9 a.m., you said guilty. What changed overnight? And she just cried and said, nothing changed. They just, they said they were going to sequester us over the weekend. There was so much pressure. Everybody was mad at me for holding out. So I finally just caved and went with them. And then she realized that she sent an innocent man to prison for 20 years because of it. But then you have the flip side of that. You've got the jury foreman from Sandy Melgar's case who refused to hear the truth. And then we find out he's, you know, he was having. When 2020 was on on that case, he was you know he he was having a viewing party with the prosecutor. He was like best buddies with her. There's some people think maybe before the trial, which would which we've, nobody's been able to prove, 
but certainly after the trial that they were they were best buddies and he got involved in the Facebook groups and the podcasts that were fighting against Sandy's guilt. Um, so it kind of goes either way. They're just you got to remember jurors are just like anybody else. You have a whole cross section of society. Some people that are really open and honest and want to find the truth. And then other people who are just, you know, narcissists that that refuse to admit they were ever wrong. All right. Our last questions from Chris. Since y'all have decided that you need another month to launch the new season, can I sign up to have Zach Weaver's grandpa just be on standby for follow-ups? Can we just hang out with him again about Kennedy or aliens or whatever he wants to talk about this week? Is, is Grandpa Doug into aliens? Uh, I don't think he's into aliens, but he would talk about it for sure. <laughs> yeah, he could talk about anything. That means we'll have to set up another bonus episode with your grandpa. It would be a lot of fun. He he could talk about anything. He I, I think he would talk about aliens. I don't think he's into aliens. I don't think that's it. But I think he's you know working for NASA. I think he believes in there's life out there. Not little green Martians. Sounds good. We need to re- resurrect Bob and Weave and have him on. There. I would love it. I would absolutely love it. It was a blast having him on. And I think, I think he'd come back. Nice. Uh, so we'll work on that. Uh, but speaking of guests, uh, next week, as I mentioned, you guys were kind of pushing things back because of a couple of conflicts. One is um, uh, I can't give you any details other than. Sometime this year, there's going to be something on Hulu talking about one of the cases we've covered in the past. Um, and I have to film for that this week, this month. So that's why, you know, part of the reason we're pushing things back. And then next week, Mike is going to be out on assignment for the whole week. He's leaving us. So you need to know a couple of things from that. One, next week's follow up, uh, our good friend of the show, Janet Varney, is going to fill in for Mike. Um, so she will be the Mike for the day. We will be doing another YouTube live uh, with uh, with that episode. So if you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, go subscribe and turn on notifications. You should get a notification when we go live. It'll be next Wednesday. It'll be me, Zach, and Janet. Also, you should know that the audio for both next week's main episode and next week's follow-up are probably going to sound pretty damn bad because I'm <laughs> I'm going to be editing them and I don't remember how to edit. So <laughs> good luck. Yeah. You'll be okay. Yeah. So I, I, Mike, Mike, Mike always asked me well in advance if it's okay if he takes a week vacation for his assignment. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then the time comes up and I remember that I'm probably not nearly as good at, at making stuff sound good as Mike is. So thanks, Bob. Yeah. No problem. Mike's very good at his job and I'm not good at Mike's job, but. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll make it happen. And then, um, again, don't forget that, uh, I will be at CrimeCon. We're working out details, but it's, it's, uh, I'm pretty excited about, I'm going to be speaking at least twice. Uh, one of them I can tell you is we're going to do a true crime binge live with Justin and Aaron from the generation Y podcast. Uh, so we'll be doing that during CrimeCon, And then there's going to be a big, one of the big ballrooms. A big presentation with it's going to be covering. It'll be about the West Memphis Three case. I can tell you that. Uh, incredibly interesting topic with an incredibly interesting guest that's going to be up there with me. If you want to go to CrimeCon, uh, use our code Rough, uh, and again that'll get you ten percent off. It also, if we get enough people using the code, 
then Zach gets to come with me. I hope I get to go. Yeah. I think we're getting there. I need to reach out and see how, because just for based on social media, it looks like we've had a lot of people using the code. So I had a lot of fun last year and I, it was fun meeting all the listeners and I'd love to do it again. Yep. So I, I, I think that's probably, I think, I think we're getting there. I think, I think that'll probably work out. So if you want Zach to go to Las Vegas, go to crimecon.com, use code rough for us. It only works for standard tickets. It doesn't work for VIP tickets. I've mentioned to a few people on, on social media. People have asked if it's worth getting the VIP tickets. I don't really know. I will tell you this. In my experience at CrimeCon, there are – so there's they're like the VIPs have like a special VIP room where they get to go into that has like coffee and snacks and stuff in it. And what I often see is like one or two VIPs just like sitting in that room by themselves because they can because they paid an extra $300 or whatever to be in there. Meanwhile, everybody else is out on the floor hanging out with all the podcasters, having fun during that time. Um, there is also, I think you get um, the VIPs get like a special like dinner and special event, which I've been to is, you know, it, it was a, the one we did. You were there for that one, Mike, when we did the one in Nashville with Jim. Yeah. And it, it, it was a good time. But even we had some FOMO while we were there because all the other podcasters we're doing a huge meetup at the same time and hanging out with people and having a good time. So since then, I've stopped going. I don't go to the VIP dinner parties because usually myself and and Mike or Zach, whoever's with me, and Nick and Captain and Justin and Aaron. And shoot, last year, I can't even remember. Uh, about 25 of us podcasters all went to a bar with a bunch of listeners and hung out there. So Long story short, personally, I think you'd be better off saving your money, not getting the VIP tickets. If, if what you're looking to do is to is to not just meet or take a picture with, but actually hang out with the podcasters that you listen to, just get a standard ticket and follow us around. We're always doing something fun while you're there. Uh, but again, remember, if you go, we make sure you use code ROUGH to get that 10% off. Uh, coming up the next couple of weeks, we've got, for bonus episodes, we've got three cool interviews lined up. Next week, I've got a cop that that helped frame and wrongfully convict someone who has kind of reconciled with that with with that person and and is here coming on to share some insight into what causes that culture within the police department to cause things like that to happen. Uh, I also have a man who has uh, spent some time in prison and and is, is speaks out a lot on uh, criminal justice reform. So that'll be coming up in two weeks, I think. And then this week on Sunday, in just two days, uh, we have a, a very special guest. I'm very excited to have her on the show. I have Kelsey German coming on the show, who is, for those of you that don't know, is Libby German, uh, Libby, Libby German's sister. Uh, and Libby German is one of the victims of the Delphi murders. And she's going to be on Saturday is actually the anniversary, the five-year anniversary date of of Abby and Libby's murders and Kelsey is kind enough to come on the show with me and and talk about her experiences as a family member of a victim and what life has been like for those last five years. So that'll be this Sunday. That'll be a really good one. I'm excited to hear that one. Yep. With that being said, make sure you tune in this week on in two days to hear Kelsey's interview. And then uh, next week, don't forget YouTube live with myself, Zach and Janet Varney uh, and next week's follow-up episode. And that's all we've got coming up right now. So make sure you tune in on the, the live. Hopefully we'll see you in the live chat. We'll talk to you then.
Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show is created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team. Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kay Wood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, Truth and Justice Pod. Just click the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I can't. Oh, that was too. Ha- that was too heavy. I'm a little hot with <laughs> that. That was, that was a little too heavy. A little much. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. <laughs>